This morning we'll be picking up from where we left off a few weeks ago, Nehemiah chapter 5. Today we'll be looking at verses 14 through 19. 14 through 19. We looked at already the abuse of Christians, of other Christians, <coughs> charging exorbitant uh, interest. When the people were very poor, they abused them uh, financially. And that hindered the work of the kingdom. Today we'll see a different aspect of this when the leaders abuse the people and how that could hinder the kingdom. From verse 14, the word of the Lord. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year until the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I also continued the work on this wall and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. And at my table were 150 Jews and rulers besides those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that which was prepared daily was one ox, six choice sheep. Also fowl were prepared for me, and once every ten days an abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provisions, because the bondage was heavy on this people. Remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done. For this people. God will bless his words to our hearts. As he has promised. Beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is characteristic of most dictators. Is their love for power. And their love for money. So they would oppress people in order to get it. Now you can see this in the 1950s and 60s. When a lot of the abuse of European powers started to give independence to the, their colonies, especially in Africa, in uh, South America, the Caribbean, and some parts of Asia. Now many of those countries started with optimism. We're finally uh, rid of the overlords who took advantage of us, often. They hoped that freedom would make things better. But most of those countries that were under colonial rule are in worse shape today than they were when they were being abused by the Europeans. They are more corrupt. They suffer. Their suffering is greater. These new leaders became abusive and they started to steal from their own people. And billions of dollars have been stolen from the poorest. And the richer those leaders got the more they wanted their appetites were insatiable and isn't that how it always is that's what the governors of Judah did to their own people they were willing to abuse their own people and in doing so they posed a threat to destabilizing the entire nation causing divisions and when there are divisions, you're more open to foreign occupation, invasion. 
But more than being conquered by others because of the local division is the fact that they threaten the very existence or the very coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if that nation were controlled and destroyed, where would Jesus come? Where would the promise be fulfilled? Where would salvation come to the world? So this was an important thing for Nehemiah to deal with because he was dealing with the work of the Savior. So how would he respond? That's what you will hear about today. Our headings are three. God controlled bad leaders. Second, generosity controlled good leaders. Sorry, greed controlled bad leaders. Generosity controlled good leaders. And then gifts were conferred on the good leaders. And our goals are today that you will be a generous leader or support a generous leader so that Christ's kingdom will grow and praises will go up to the Redeemer. First, we will look at the greed that controlled these bad leaders. Nehemiah, even though he was governor and he had a right to it, did not eat of the food allotted to the governors. He did not take this allotment for about 12 years that he served there. On the contrary, the governors who were before him demanded that the people provide for their food and drink and even cash for them. And this was a severe burden because Jerusalem was not very well populated. Judah, in fact, wasn't very populated. And this became a severe burden upon the people. In fact, the language said it it made it heavy. The burden was made to crush them. And these leaders were not only cruel by themselves, they allowed their servants, their assistants, to do the same thing of the people. And you often have that. These dictators always allow their subordinates, those who are supporting them, to abuse the local people as well, the citizens of the country. And that's what these leaders did. And to make matters worse, we remember from the last time, the returning residents were struck with a blight. God had cursed them with a famine because when they came back during the time of Haggai, they started building their own houses and they ignored the house of God. So for many years, there were famine-like conditions, there were cruel leaders, and then the assistance of the leaders were also cruel to the people. Bore rule over them has the idea of domineering, verse 15. They domineered over the people. You know, people love power. They have an opportunity to follow. And uh, you've seen that during the COVID lockdowns. Oh, people got, lower people got power. And they could order you around. And they, they enjoyed that. Well, it happened all the time. It's always happened that way. They ruled in an arbitrary way. Well, these governors and their servants did not have the fear of God in their hearts. And it's true, a worker is worthy of his hire. If the the governor is doing the work, he deserves to be paid. But at a time when people had great need and the governors had in excess, God expected them to show mercy on his people. And in this case, Nehemiah said, I had money, I have money. So he uses money so that he would not be a burden on the other people. And Nehemiah did not write this because he wanted to boast about his good works that he praises on himself. Rather, he did this to show that he was simply obeying what God said. 
He was afraid of violating God's law that says you must show charity to those who are in need. Kindness and compassion is never to be ignored. That's a part, a daily part of your life. Just as breathing is, just as reading your Bible is showing charity should be a part of your life. You see, charity and giving to God's people when they're poor is actually giving to God. The Bible says he will repay double for what you did. So what can we learn from this first point? The ones that the leaders were controlled by greed. First of all, learn not to hold too tightly to the things of this world. Hold loosely, put it positively. Share and God will provide. Cast your bread upon the waters and after many days it will return to you. Don't live to feather your nest, that old expression where all you're concerned about is your own comfort. Don't let your children see greed in your life. Don't let your children see indifference to the suffering of others. You know, we are quick and we are right to condemn communism because it is evil and I've seen the evil of communism. But greed is also deadly. And guard your hearts against greed. Second, not only for you, but don't be close to those who are tight-fisted, those who hoard. Don't marry them, because you will live a perpetual life of battle of people who are tight-fisted. Third, look at what the fear of God makes you do. The one who is saved by Christ sacrifices himself as Jesus did for the good of others. Use your gifts for the good of other members. Our catechism reminds us of that. What does it mean by the communion of saints? We use our gifts for the good of the other members. You see, when you do this, this will strengthen the church. The enemy is outside. We should not be doing battle on the inside. Whether taking advantage of others or the leaders, in this case, taking advantage of the people. We've got a bigger battle. The enemy is the devil. The one who does not know the Savior is not concerned about the welfare of others. And certainly has no care about the people of God. He only cares about himself. And sometimes this is the danger of capitalism without Christ. Greed may be legal, but it's not moral. And fifth, look how this action could have destroyed Jerusalem. The place from which Messiah would come to die for the sins of the world. See why Nehemiah had to act. And he had to act differently from the previous leaders to make things better. Now Christ has come. So we don't have to worry about that aspect of things. But don't make it difficult for people to work in the kingdom. Help them. Help your elders. Help your people. Help your missionaries. You see, you have the same goal. And if you are tight-fisted about money, you can hinder the work of the kingdom. Greed can stop salvation. Because missionaries can't go overseas unless they are supported. And that's where your work comes in. That's not just about money. That's the, one of the least of the things as a missionary, 
Myself, I know the difference it makes when you get that occasional phone call or that occasional uh, letter or postcard. As someone encouraging you, that's part of what you must do in order to work for the kingdom. You see, the king wouldn't look very kindly on you if you hindered his kingdom by your selfishness or your greediness. Those were the bad leaders. What did Nehemiah do? Well, look at the generosity that controlled the good leaders. From verse 16, Nehemiah did not demand the payment to which he was entitled because he knew the people were suffering. And this was always a characteristic of the people. You don't add burdens to them. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul said, Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. And here it's this part. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. He knew he was entitled to food and to payment, but he did not want to be cruel, so he taught self-sacrifice. The kingdom work was too important. Instead, now back to our story, Nehemiah not only didn't take money from the people, the Bible says he went back to the work of restoring the walls of Jerusalem. Even with the opposition from Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and the Ashdodites. They did not stop. He worked for the people who couldn't pay him. What a leader he was. That was a sacrifice he was making. More, Nehemiah did not wrote that he did not um, give out loans to people. You see, this is what the, the people had done, we looked at the last time, where they would give loans to people and then they would have to sell their children to slavery in order to pay back the loans. They couldn't pay the king's tax either. And they were going without food. Their babies were without food. And Nehemiah said he didn't give out any loans. You know why? Because that's when you have a chance to take advantage of other people. If they couldn't pay the loans, then you took over their land. You took over their house. You took their children as slaves. He decided he wasn't going to do as the leaders did. You know, it's natural to look for a bargain, especially in bad times. If the economy crashes, people buy lots of houses because they want to make a killing. And there's nothing wrong in making profit. But buying low and selling high when it comes to dealing with your brothers and sisters in Christ was unacceptable. A godly man said, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't take advantage of people because I could. More than that, remember the governors before allowed their attendants, their assistants, to take advantage of the people, literally to lord it over them, to squeeze them. What did Nehemiah do to his servants? He said, you will build the walls with the rest of the people. Not only will you not take advantage of the people, you will help the people to be safe by serving them. What a difference it is when the leader is, uh, is one who loves service. And then Nehemiah didn't stop there. You think it would be good enough for what he did. Verse 17 says, At my table were 150 Jews and rulers, besides those who came from the nations around us. He was a generous man. 
And why was he generous? Because he had been renewed in his heart. You read about the, the conversions of those in the Old Testament trusting in the work of the coming Savior. Read Hebrews chapter 11, for example. Because he had a renewed nature, he shared of his abundance. He fed 150 Jews and their leaders each day and visitors from foreign countries. These were likely people who were bringing intelligence and diplomats. And by the way, Nehemiah would have learned the art of keeping peace when he was a slave back in Shushan, the Persian Empire. It might have looked back then, why am I a servant? I love God, why am I still here? Well, he was learning the skill and art that God would use later in his life. That's the providence of God. That's the training, just like Moses had to learn for 80 years to be a shepherd, a shepherd of the people. God will often put people through those long times for a purpose. Now look at the cost to this man to cover all of these uh, needs. He had the resources, so he wasn't reluctant to share. Nehemiah gives the details in verses 18. One ox, six choice sheep, fowl, birds, chickens, and every 10 days, an abundance of wine. You know how much that cost? That was every day those animals were killed to feed the people that he was feeding. And you notice, even in this time, he did not, did not compromise and say, Look, pigs are cheaper. Let's get some pork here. He maintained the law of God, even in difficult times. The surrounding nations indulge in unclean animals, but not him. He maintained his faithfulness to the ceremonial laws that were still in force. Then Nehemiah maintained modesty as well. You notice the interesting thing. They needed food every day, but they didn't need wine every day. So the wine and the variety of wines were limited to once every ten days. What, what kindness. What goodness. You see, the impact of the gospel influenced every area of his life. It influences business. It even influenced his food. It influenced his uh, serving as leader, as a boss. It influenced everywhere in his, of his life. Remember Romans eleven thirty six: For of him and through him, to him are all things. And in Romans 12, 1, that you present your bodies, that your whole life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You see, when God saves you, he changes everything. So what can we learn? I've got six lessons for you here. First of all, let God be pleased with the record of your honesty and generosity. God wants you to do that. He doesn't need you anything from you, but he's pleased when you're honest and generous because that helps in the work of the kingdom. Second, by the way, you must never be found to be abusers of the poor. Don't let them cry out against you. Pay them a fair wage. It is a reproach to God if you don't pay a fair wage. And at the same time, remember, buy low and sell high might be good for business. But you must never take advantage of God's people. Never take advantage of them economically or in any other way. So lesson two. Let the poor people testify of your honesty, your generosity, and your hospitality. Don't expect to be paid for everything you do. I always remember maybe 15 years ago or so when we just needed some changes to our, our website. And there's someone in the church who could do it with a, maybe a few minutes of work. That was his job at that time. 
The first thing that came from his mind, I said, could you make the changes to this, was how much will it pay? The very first thing, not let me see if I can do it. First thing in his mind was that money. And I thought, incredible. Not that a man isn't worthy of his heart, but he was well paid, he, he was working. I thought, where, how come we've lost the willingness to be generous, to be kind? You know, these things hurt the kingdom as well. Third, stand behind and support those who are not abusing the church of Christ and stand in opposition to those who are crushing the kingdom by their cruelty. You need to stand up and speak against those television preachers who are always telling you to send your money to them. People ignore the local churches. They really poach upon weak people. Often the people who don't have much old people promising them they'll get healed they send their money and people do I know my own mother did this those are shysters they're cruel they're abusers of the people and they hurt the kingdom work four find a husband who is generous not just to to you but to others and if you find someone, I'll expand on this a little bit. If you're looking, for example, as a young woman, and you see there's a man, and he's very generous to you, but he's not generous to others, start looking. That's not someone you want. Not just someone who gives you everything you want and is not generous towards others. That's not going to help the kingdom. You need someone who will help and support the work of the kingdom. Five, don't grumble about helping others. If God gives you the means, you need to serve. You need to share. And then finally, six, modesty in all things. You should be modest as Nehemiah was when he said... Well, God has given us wine. We need to enjoy it. There's nothing wrong in having the pleasures and joys of this world. But never be immodest. Same thing. God gives you beautiful clothes. There's nothing wrong in beautiful clothes. But be modest in the way you dress. Fun. There's nothing wrong in having a good time. Go on rides. People like that. C&E's on, I guess... People like to go there and enjoy But if that takes over, that you don't have time to care for others, then that is not modesty anymore. You know, you like to make a joke, there's nothing wrong in being funny. But watch your jokes so they don't become crude. It's modesty. And that's the picture we see here in the life of Nehemiah. They could have afforded wine every day. That might have affected the work and the construction. We come then to our third point. So we see the God controlled, uh, sorry, Greek controlled the bad leaders. Generosity controlled the good leaders. And look at the results. Verse 19. Remember me, O God, for good according to all that I've done for this people. Now Nehemiah was neither seeking the praise of men nor the rewards from men. 
but rather he sought the blessings of God for what he did. Jesus said that you're to heap up your good works, your treasures in heaven. Your good works are seen that way. He wanted blessings that were out of this world, eternal blessings. Nehemiah did not take credit to for what other people did. He wanted rewards for what he did himself for God's people. And when he says remember, it's not God, just think about what I did. Acknowledge the existence. Remember it's used here in the sense of remember in order to do like the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's not just to have a cognizance of it, but rather to actually do it. Remember to do. And that's what he's saying. God, remember what I have done for the kingdom. And you reward me. There's nothing bad about that at all. Good works are done and rewarded by God. He knew that good works were the fruit of the Christian life. How do you know someone is a Christian? By their fruits. You know a tree by its fruit. You go to Galatians, you would read about the different fruit of the Spirit. That love and joy, patience, the peace, the goodness. And that's what God expects. What can we learn from this very brief point? His desire, his waiting, his reward that will come for his good work. First of all, save your treasures in heaven where moth do not, uh, and moth and rust do not destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal and the premier and the prime minister cannot tax or destroy by inflation, by printing more money. I mean, you can save up all the money in the world and you leave it long enough and the government will take it all by inflation. It'll be worth nothing. Save up your treasures in heaven. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and you do minister to the saints. God will not forget. Others might forget. And you know that, right? Sometimes people forget to pay you for something you've done or, or they forgot some kindness that you've shown to them. God never forgets. That's why you can do your good works. And whether the world acknowledges you or not, it doesn't matter. Whether people know you or not, God knows. Now I remember there were times where we, were, when we didn't have um, financial support. There were times when I've gotten checks in the mail and I had no idea who sent them. We're very thankful. And you know God will reward the persons who did those good deeds at that time. That's what God expects us to do. Second, don't expect to buy your way to heaven by good works. You know, Nehemiah wasn't trying to say, hey, I did good for the people, now save me. Many, of course, still try to do this. But your good works are good for nothing before God. The only way into heaven is through the blood of the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Claiming that blood as yours and saying, Lord, he died for me. Receive me. Every other religion tells you that. Every other religion says it's what you do that will save you. The Bible says not what you do, it's what Christ has done. That's the difference, the do religion and the done religion. So don't expect to buy your way into heaven. Third, even as a Christian, your good works are tainted with sin 
and are only rewarded when received through the merits and works of Christ. That's why I emphasize that Nehemiah knew and trusted in the Savior. When he was calling on God to remember, to reward him for the work that he had done, it wasn't because he thought his works were pure, but he knew that his works would be received through the merits and works of Christ. So his works were cleaned up. That's what God expects. For it is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts chapter 20 verse 35 says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, think about what this is saying. The natural thing is, it's nice to get stuff. Everyone thinks about that. Christmas time, soon on the way. What can I get? We need to reprogram ourselves and think, what can we give? How can we help? How can we help others? And five, proper giving which is essential to the building and preservation of the kingdom, only takes place when you recognize all you have received in Christ. You see how the sermon always comes back to the cross? If it's a good sermon, that's where it's going to always end up. You see, if you know what you have been receiving in Christ, and you know what you received at that initial time when you were justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, then it's easier to share. It's easier to give. Even when you have a right to claim something, you'd be willing to share with others because you know what you have received from Jesus. Otherwise, it's obligation or guilt that people would give. When you know how rich you are, it's easier to give. Let's conclude. Greedy leaders demanded more from the people than the people were able to give. And these greedy leaders craved wealth and took advantage of the weak. Some people followed them too, their attendants, and some of the people of the country who had money, the richer people. But Nehemiah was generous, not only not taking his payment, but he gave of his own substance to the people. And then he called on God to remember his obedience and reward him for it. Now, beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, what must you leave here with? A few thoughts. First of all, Christ's kingdom must expand and be protected. God is pleased when you use, when, when God is pleased to use you for this. You're either a leader or one who supports a leader. And you must work well together in order to accomplish this. So be generous in your support. And we talked a lot about finances because that's what our text was talking about. But that's not the only area in which you are able to support the work of the kingdom. It's not just about tithe. It's about sometimes your time. Giving up your time. You know what the elders often have to do. They have to lead their families to visit you or to deal with a problem in the church or to have meetings to plan for the future. It's even more difficult for you now without the pastor. Elders have even more work to do. 
But that's part of what you are able to do for the kingdom. And every time you children have your dad missing. Or your wives have your husband missing. You are playing your part in supporting the kingdom. You're not, you don't have to give money but you give your husband. You give your time to somebody who's struggling. You give your talents to help others. Don't be found wanting when God examines how well you supported the work of the kingdom. Keeping in mind that money is the easiest thing to give. Others may really need need your time more. Sometimes just listening. He will use these things to help save you and help sanctify you. To help save others rather and to sanctify others as well. And third, for the praise of God, then work to build the kingdom. Remember, you were saved by his son, and this is your motivation. Don't help others so they will think you're good. Don't help others so they will say nice things about you. This is much bigger. You are called to play your part. To help in the work of the kingdom. To promote the cause of Christ. And finally, life without God will make you insensitive and abusive. But God demands you love his children. How can you come to that point then where you're able to love? Well, you need a heart transplant. But a heart transplant is something only God can do. If you're not his child and you need that new heart, that new record, that new life, ask him. He will do it for free. Jesus paid it all. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you for keeping us another time to gather with the saints to listen to the proclamation of truth. Marked with weakness for sure, but accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us leave here encouraged, stimulated, stirred up to be more sacrificial for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. To work, not as abusive leaders, but those who will work together and support the leaders in order that the church may run smoothly, that the kingdom will be built up, and that praise will go up to our Heavenly Father.